Welcome to Let's Hear It. Let's Hear It is a podcast for and about the field of foundation and nonprofit communications produced by its two co-hosts, Eric Brown and Kirk Brown. No relation. Well said, Eric. And I'm Kirk. And I'm Eric. The podcast is generously sponsored by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. We'd also like to welcome our newest sponsor, the Lumina Foundation. Thank you very much for your support. We're talking to people about their work and what's happening in the field with the hopes of making this growing arena just a little bit more accessible to us all. You can find Let's Hear It on any podcast subscription platform. You can find us on Twitter at Let's Hear It Cast, and you can email us at hello at Let's Hear com. Let us know if you have any thoughts about what you hear today, including people we should have on the show. And please, please rate us on iTunes. Yes, please rate us on iTunes. And if you have a fun story to tell, we'd love to hear that too. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everybody. Back to Let's Hear It. Before we get into this week's episode, I do think, Eric, we should start by saying thank you to all the positive feedback we've been getting about Let's Hear It. It's fun. There's, there's, there are people out there. It's kind of neat, huh? We got a comment from New Zealand. We got, got a, a com- comment from New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Really? We did. Yeah. Read your tweet. Read your Twitter. Yeah. I'll read my Twitter. It's, it's weird. It's almost like there's this thing. There's this tool where people can be connected all around the world. Really? Yeah. Whoa. And it's free. Really low. Wow, I have to get one of those. So, yeah, right. I, you have to find it. You have to okay. subscribe to it. Okay. But so uh, just a big thanks. And we actually do read and listen to your, to your feedback. And if well, you have – Apparently we don't. <laughs> mostly. One of us <laughs> You does. do. Tom Sawyer does. Whoops. But uh, keep it coming, right? It's, this is fair, right? So if there's things we need to be doing better or differently, we want to hear that. Um, certainly thank you for the folks that have rated us on iTunes. Yes, please rate us on iTunes. If you do that, I will come to your house and make dinner. That, this is true. You heard it here. This is great. And S- certain conditions. <laughs> There's fine print. <laughs> but anyway, it's been really great. And so um, with that said, I think we have to kind of acknowledge with this interview, we're famous. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. we are totally famous. No, we're related to famous. Especially, I think, me. You know, we're just getting super famous. <laughs> No, 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 we're 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 ten steps from greatness. So, so this I have to say, this is so awesome. I love this conversation. I love that this happened and uh, set us up for it. Set it up for us here because it's really really cool. I sat down and spoke with Hunter Johansson. Who that sounds like a familiar name, Hunter. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. related it's to common. related to Hunter Pence. He used to play baseball for the Giants. Now, Hunter Johansson used to share amniotic fluid with a movie star named Scarlett Johansson. And Hunter Johansson, instead of going to parties and being famous and getting in the paper and all this other stuff, has dedicated his life to helping other people. And he has done that. He's he's a, a kind of a serial helper. He's worked in government and he's worked for other nonprofits. And he has started this organization called Solar Responders, mm-hmm. which is putting solar panels on the roof of first responders in Puerto Rico. This occurred to him af- in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, where these you know people died because these first responders, the fire fire stations and hospitals, didn't have power. Yeah. And they couldn't communicate with each other. They could have radios. They couldn't charge their radios. They were down. And it seemed like there was an obvious solution to that. And he set about attempting to do that solution. And so Hunter and I sat down in um, – this was fun. We were in a hotel in the Lower East Side <laughs> in uh, Manhattan in New York. 
and they had this lobby, and through the lobby there was a glass door that led to a patio that was open air, but it was closed off, so we decided to do our interview there. <laughs> and halfway through the interview, it started raining. So if you hear the little splish-splash of rain, we are sitting outside on this patio, patio in the rain. But because we are pros and intrepid, we decided to just keep going. So that's, if you hear funny little noises and things, and every so often you hear a car honk, but we were sitting outside in the rain. This is a true measure of the shared commitment you had to this conversation. I got Hunter Johansson. Thank you so much for what you're doing here. I love how he talks about this. It yeah, just it's, it's so fun to hear. So let's listen to the conversation. We'll come back. Welcome to Let's Hear It. I am joined by Hunter Johansson today of Solar Responders. We are also I should just set the stage for where we are. We're in a patio off the lobby of a hotel in lower manhattan lower east side mm. and so it's this weird little quiet place sort of quiet place in uh, in the madness of new york so it's it's kind of neat to be sitting here thank you so much hunter for joining me and uh we're going to talk about this organization that you started you know just let's get started mm. can you just talk a little bit about what solar responders is and how you got it going yeah thank you eric for having me so solar responders uh is a nonprofit organization our mission uh, is to empower first responders to save lives with with renewable energy. After Hurricane Maria struck Puerto Rico, all the all of the first run, first responder stations on the island lost power and were stranded. The first responders themselves were stranded. They couldn't charge radios. They couldn't receive nine one one calls. So this is mostly firefighters. Firefighters and and and, and uh, police officers, um, EMS, hospitals. But for for us. Our mission is, is geared towards first responders. But but in terms of the situation on the island, no nobody could uh, respond to emergencies right. and save life. And ultimately, people died because of it. And so what, what got you interested in Puerto Rico? It's You live here in New York, right? I do live here in New York. I'm born and raised in Manhattan. I've been here most of my life. And I have, as a result of, the, of growing up in New York, I grew up with Puerto Rican culture. My best friends growing up were Puerto Rican. I went to the Puerto Rican Day Parade. I went to the, you know, when the Yankees in the 90s, when they when they were winning championships, I would go to the Yankee, you know, the Yankee Parade. Okay, boo, I'm a Met fan, but that's Me okay. Me too. No, Me no, too. Right. I, but you know what? You know what? When the Yankees in the 90s, was, <laughs> that was a good time. Well, you know, my daughter went to, you went to NYU, didn't you? I'm, I'm gra- actually graduating NYU in two weeks with, ah, with, a, with a master's degree. I'm, well, when um, my daughter went to NYU and she was going to graduate and they do their, um, they do their graduation at Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And I was right. going to have to go to Yankee Stadium, which I've never been that's to Yankee right. Stadium on principle. And I was wow. going to have to cross my own picket line. But then she decided, I don't want to walk with those people. So she didn't, she didn't walk in her graduation. I, I was, and we're, getting, we're getting rained on gently, I have to report. But uh, it's worth it for the good sound. Okay, so you, you were interested in Puerto Rico living in New York. Mm-hmm. And then Hurricane Maria hit. And you were activated somehow. I, I was activated. You know, I, born and raised in New York, Puerto Rican culture, a part of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I worked on Hurricane Sandy relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Hurricane Sandy uh, hit New York and and seeing the devastation there, uh, I felt a, a, a personal need to to respond, to help, uh, support, and I started a nonprofit uh, with my friend Mike Sininsky, who's from Rockaway. And eventually, that that nonprofit merged with a, a larger nonprofit, Saint Bernard Project, and we and 
together with St. Bernard Project under their organization, we've repaired about 150 homes mm -hmm. in Rockaway um, in the time I was there. So you're just a, a serial helper. Sir, I, you know what? Helping people, I feel, is the purpose of life, and, and it fulfills me uh, more than anything. And you have a background in politics as well. Did you work for some political folk? Background in politics. It takes time, I think, to, to find our, our purpose and, and where we fit. And, and I think I was doing that after undergrad. And I, I had a personal connection with now controller Scott Stringer. My grandmother worked on housing organizing with him in the in the 70s um, in Manhattan. And so when I when I graduated school, I had this link with with someone who wanted to make change and, and affect New Yorkers. So I um, I took a job with Scott as a as a community organizer um, and, and advocate in Manhattan and and enjoyed it. I, I felt, you know, I was going to the learning the community organizing aspect, the block to block um, issues and and the community leaders and making inroads and I really enjoyed the the impact I was having for New Yorkers. And uh, okay, so let's get back to solar responders a little bit. So your goal now is to put renewable energy in all of the first responder places in mm -hmm. Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. So how many? What are we talking about? So there's uh, there's 94 fire stations. Uh, 78 police stations, about 20 EMS that are, are private EMS uh -huh. uh, stations on the island. So, so the goal is to put solar and storage uh -huh. on all of those stations. What does it cost to do this? So $70,000 mm -hmm. is the typical fire station. There's some larger fire stations that, that serve urban, more urban areas, and they can cost up to maybe $105,000. Total cost for all to uh, outfit all the fire stations um, is about six million uh -huh. to outfit all of the fire of the police stations. It's going to be about five, five point five million or so. And does the Puerto Rican government just doesn't have the money to do that, or mm. how, what's what's the how are you, how do you work with them? Uh, the the Puerto Rican government does not have the money for for our specific mission, um, which is solar energy. Right. right there's there's a couple of laws that prevent them from in. in the government specifically uh, in the recovery efforts from investing in solar. So you have you have the Stafford Act, which prevents you can't build new. You have to build what was destroyed. Right. Um, and yeah. it's a very old act. The Stafford Act is like 100 years old. And then, you know, the Jones Act ultimately prevents the island from recovering in its totality. Puerto Rico can only receive shipments from the mainland U.S. Really? Yes. Wow. You know, I had a conversation last night with uh, someone who mentioned, oh, the U.N. should help. And I was like, no, the U.N. can't get involved in Puerto Rico. Whoa. Yeah. So, Whoa. Because the U.S. won't allow it. There's a, you know, a law preventing it, right? We, ha we can only accept aid from certain mm -hmm. areas. And Puerto Rico can only accept aid from certain areas. So you're raising money for this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like a ton of money. To be honest with you, it's not. It's you know. It's when we think about the macro picture, and we we take a, a you know high level view from things. You know, we, we look at contracts. You know, three hundred million dollars from entities that the organization that that had to give back the three hundred million dollars because there was only one person working there, and they had this rebuilding contract. You have billions of dollars being spent um, on recovery across the board. You know, in Puerto Rico and in the, in the mainland, and we we have this perpetual cycle of natural disasters occurring. And the same reaction. Go in, we give we give lanterns and food and water, knowing that this is a short term solution. We're not going targeting the root causes. So we put billions into that, but we're not putting money into into uh, proactive measures. And so, 
if if right if we can invest 11 million dollars to outfit all first responder stations on the island the return the value of that return on investment whatever you want to call it it maximizes exponentially i assume it returns it returns money it returns it returns anymore. right so you, you save you save financially um you save environmentally right. and you save lives so you you could have done a, you're a helper and you have some experience in in working in government working here in, in new york and you yet you picked this type of project mm. to do my guess is a lot of different interests of yours coming together at once how, how did it all happen like this you know i i felt uh an urgency to to actually implement. You know, I, I was I was a little tired of politics. Um, I was a little tired of of you know trying to understand the, the political advantage all the time. Um, and just I, I just wanted to do good work. And I I, I felt that every, the people I were talking to that they they weren't there wasn't a, a sense of urgency. You know, and when I was in politics and and working for other people, so I was I said to myself, you know what, the only way that we're going to get this done is if I do it myself. Uh-huh. So and that that was the that was the impetus to say I'm I'm just going to do it. I'm going to say, you know, f- forget it all. I'm just doing it. Yeah. Now, having started a, a nonprofit, you know, having worked at other nonprofits, but what is it like to start your own nonprofit? What are the challenges or the what? Talk a little bit about that. Ooh, man, it's, um, you know, I was talking, I was thinking about it today. After this event last night, there was uh, donations of, of several fire stations for Puerto Rico. And I was thinking to myself, you know, it is, this isn't easy. It's not easy to start your own thing. And, and there's not a lot of resources out there to help you start your own thing. I'm so fortunate to have an amazing board mm-hmm. and an amazing network. Uh, that also brought me to you, Eric, and, right. and to, you know, is if your intent is 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 good, mm-hmm. and and you you reach out to to family, friends, and you give it your all, you know, you don't make it a part time thing, you make it a full time thing because this work deserves full time right. and what we're doing, and and you stick to it, it, it can happen. But but we all have to be talking to each other to make it happen because it's a it's a it's a community and it's a network of of change makers and and for me my my goal is solar responders but it's also to demonstrate something new a new way of doing things that involves networks and right. communities you know not just personal wealth which I don't have you know we're not just some big grant from somebody right we we really have to do the due diligence to to make it happen and to make it happen the way you want to make it happen yeah well you do have a- a minor advantage you used to share a uterus with a famous person yes mm-hmm. it's, it's a great opportunity it is um so you, you, your twin sister is scarlett johansson i would assume that it opens doors but it also must present challenges as well can you talk to us a little bit about that i have this unique opportunity and i'm so thankful for it it opens up a lot of doors it really does and you guys genuinely seem to like each other oh like, my god oh my god it's my twin sister <laughs> no, she was she was there last you know I, she works so much that uh, you know i wish i could see her more i try to stay as close to her as possible uh you know i know she's gonna be in london for a while filming black widow but you know it, it's it it's it's a unique position and i appreciate it very much but but it it does it does take you know it takes a level of sophistication and management uh and collaboration that you know it it it, add, it definitely adds a level of stress your photos being taken your your conversations are being recorded all the time right so you, you have to be prepared for that and right. be on point with your message everything is under a microscope so uh it, it's a it's a level of stress and an opportunity i've really managed my entire life it's an incredible opportunity i'm so thankful to have it yeah 
We're going to take a quick break and be right back with the second half of our conversation with Hunter Johansson. You're listening to Let's Hear It, a podcast about foundation and nonprofit communications hosted by Kirk Brown and Eric Brown. Let's Hear It is made possible through the generous support of the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation and the Lumina Foundation. You can find Let's Hear It online at letshearitcast.com or on Twitter at Let's Hear It Cast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us on iTunes so more people can find us. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. We are back with Hunter Johansson of Solar Responders and talking about running a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, a, I don't I can't remember what the number is, well over a million nonprofit organizations in the United States, most of which are very small shops. But each of which has a slightly different set of challenges mm. that it has to address. Obviously, you have to raise money. Mm. You have to organize, and you're trying to work on some kind of specific purpose. Mm. What would you say has been the hardest thing about running a nonprofit? Sometimes you just have to let things play out a little bit. Patience is really important. The community building aspect takes time to facilitate. So you have to meet if you're going to bring in somebody to, that you trust with your literally your livelihood mm-hmm. your you know you know your future and your purpose it takes time to suss that out and to and to build partnerships it take months years even there's one someone on my board zara duffy um who's with radical media i've known her since i was 18 mm-hmm. you know but we're constantly learning things about each other through this process so i would say that you know that, that is the that's the most the, the most effort that it's taken is is just the is the human side. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. What are, what are the biggest surprises that you've encountered? I knew that we were going to get attention. I was very confident going into this that this was going to be a, a a mission that people could could believe in and support quickly. People want to help. Um, they want to support Puerto Rico and they want to support climate change effort, right? mm-hmm. adapting to climate change and so on. Right? They they want that. So I I, I knew that. This was going to grow. Just to your other question, you know, preparing for it was was knowing the the ins and outs of of running a nonprofit, the legal side, the liability, the you know, all of those things, which I'm I'm still building on. Right, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a community organizer by by uh, by nature. Um, it's it's something I love. I love connecting with people at the community level. So so having a, a more of a business mentality uh, was was the the switch that I've, I've had to make. So that, I think that was the biggest challenge, just going back to your... Let's just say that you succeed and you get every first responder in Puerto Rico on renewable energy. What happens next? I, I did a little research, 30,000 fire stations in the U.S. Hard to imagine why each one of them shouldn't have electricity independence. Right. And I saw that there are a few fire companies that are starting to put panels on top of the trucks. They can charge their communications mm-hmm. gear mm-hmm. on the go as well. That seems like such a smart thing to do mm-hmm. and that it's such an obvious opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, who's against the firefighters? Right. The last bastion right. of popular things in, right. in America. Mm-hmm. Is that where you see this going? And what do you think it would take? I do see where that's going. And, and we really don't have a choice. It's where the trend is going, that's where the market is going, and and ultimately it's it's how we're going to survive on this planet. We we need new, innovative, sustainable ways of doing business and, and operating for I think for 
you know, a kind of common sense, right? You just said it, you know, first responders, it's kind of a no brainer. We have to look at the most critical needs first. I, I do think that there will be solar on every single first responder station um, in the world. It's going to take time. But the, the, the grid itself is susceptible. You know, we, we saw it in Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw it in the blackout and, and we saw it, we see it in every storm. So we have to rethink how we're, how we're responding to the, those storms and, and those, those um, events. It's going to take strong political leadership. One thing we're, you know, we're doing in Puerto Rico is we're, it's demonstrating. We're showing that, that this is feasible and it's supported by first responders ultimately which is really you know that that's the most important piece right get getting these men and women on board and and once they're on board they're on board forever your co-founder is yes is quite he's great quite the um passionate advocate can you talk about how you met him i wish he was here he's so so my co-founder captain richard burt of las vegas fire and rescue 29 years uh firefighter right uh, so who knows better about renewable energy and, and, and what firefighters need than him? I met him in Puerto Rico, actually, when I was down there with a, we were both on a deployment with a separate nonprofit. When, when he had this vision for putting solar and storage on every single fire station and police station, um, around the world. And I, I, I thought that was, that was, I could, help make that happen and so we've been running with it ever since uh he's you know he raised his kids off of the grid for his twins he raised his his children off the grid in nevada he's lived off the grid for 20 years and he's he's a really special unique person you know i call him my brother we you know so yeah he he gave a talk last night that um got, got everybody very excited he gets people reveled up for sure he's he is revved up he's he's the truth i mean he he, when you when you're at those critical moments of of life and death really right he he you know he talked about that last night those are those moments that are the most important in our life we we, that we often don't think about that we sometimes take for granted the the resources and the men and women that are sacrificing their lives and it's great to have that reminder so we talk about life and death, you know, and, and it's it's a part of our conversation um, because there's what's more important. Right. Right. Well, talking about me- messaging or being mm. able to deliver a message like that. This is a podcast about communications mm. once in a while when we, we get around to talking about communications. But how have you learned how to tell this story in ways that are compelling to people? Mm. What are you learning about just how to communicate with various audiences? Well, I, I start off with my my story of what why I do this, you know, what, what attracted me. I was 17 when 9-11 happened. I was in Midtown and senior in high school and paying respect to the the 343 firefighters that passed um and and those those firefighters that are that are ha- are dealing with the effects of 9-11 for for me personally and because that's what i know best right is honoring these men and women and i and, and i experienced something similar when hurricane sandy happened you know i wanted to to honor our first responders and and it, and it's that that theme um that thread is passing through into to puerto rico as well are you encountering any opposition is anyone just not supporting you or do you, do you feel like there are obstacles to success? The, the, the short answer is no, we, we, we haven't, um, not in Puerto Rico, but we are battling big forces. You know, there's liquid natural gas, there's right. diesel, right? There's, there's the fossil fuel industry in the States. We, when we, when we go to the States, uh, you know, we're, there, I'm sure there's going to be legal and, and government and unions and all right. We're, we're, 
there's uh, interests that we're going to have to deal with. In Puerto Rico, we we, we have we nobody has said no to us, uh-huh. which means we're doing something right. Ah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Congratulations. Yes. Getting back to working in a nonprofit, what would you say to to a young person who comes along and says, "I want to work in this type of do this kind of work. I want to dedicate my career to this. What should I do?" Mm. Um, you know, I think, I think getting a grasp of, of purpose is really important. As I said kind of earlier in the comment, it takes time, um, to understand that. You know, we, we, for those in this, in this space, we, we are, we want to help, right? Our, that's, we want to support. It's what our purpose is. And then getting, delving deeper into the why. You know, we, we really have to think, think back and reflect why we're doing this. And then the purpose kind of is, uh, it's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and your intent is clear because that foundation will fulfill you every single day that you wake up in the morning and you will fight for it, right? It's not, this, this isn't a get rich quick. You know, right? This isn't, and you're not, right? We're, we're, this isn't the goal, right? We're, right. we're, we're here to fulfill that purpose. And we, and once you find that, you, you it doesn't matter if you're, you know, living in a shoebox or you, you will, you wake up every day with a smile on your face and, and your day is full, right? Your heart is full, your mind is full. So I, I would say, I would say re- reflection and fi- spending time to really find that purpose, you know, not just something you like to do, but something you really love. Yeah. What does this look like in five years, do you think, realistically? It's hard. You know, it's hard to see five years because the hurricane season is less than five weeks away. So in, in my mind and in my co-founder's mind, it's like, you know, there, there could be another Hurricane Maria that happens in September or October or August. or And so we have to move now. I do five years. I see I see solar and storage on every single first responder station throughout the Caribbean, minus maybe Haiti you know, I, I don't know, it, you know, five years is a, is a bit of a timeline, but but I do see solar and storage on most first responder stations throughout the Caribbean. I see solar and storage on first responder stations in many states and municipalities throughout the U.S. Once we get a get a, a foothold on, on a certain certain number of stations, I, I see it scaling mm-hmm. beyond. Yeah. Well, it's it's really interesting work. I like I said, I got very excited when, when I learned about it because I do mm. see all the many opportunities. It's also mm. just an opportunity to bring people together right. because we really do understand how valuable these services are. Mm. And it's it's where these convergence of issues occurs. Right. And I just think it's really cool what you're doing. Oh, last question I forgot mm. to ask you. Is anybody else doing anything like this? Are you joining forces with folks? I, I can say that th- there's no organization that, that I know of around the world that's doing this. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> like some guy in New York started you, you, thing. Right, this thing. And he's and this the part, only one. The, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's, there's, this, there's a massive gap. How we respond to disasters, we, we need to rethink it. We need to be innovative. Who we partner with to be successful is communities. If people in the community don't know what we're doing, they're not they're not going to know that this resource is there. So to be successful, our our partners are everything. And so I think locally, but we're acting globally. So bringing that theme, uh, which is an environmental theme, it's it's core to what's central to what we do. Every so often, I think we're making progress, particularly mm-hmm. on the question around climate change. Mm-hmm. And then I get depressed and then I get happy again. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're pointed in the right direction. But do you agree? It's a stupid question. But do you agree? Do you think we're getting somewhere? Getting somewhere? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we are. I think we need to plan 
for the effects of climate change. Emissions are being reduced in a lot of sectors, and there's new laws and you know new city and you know cities, municipalities making changes. Puerto Rico just you know passed a law uh, to reach 100% renewables by 2050. Uh, so that there's great intention. Right. The implementation side what makes me skeptical, a question, wanting to know more, you know? So we have these great proposals. How are we actually implementing? I, I think that step by step, we, we have to, in, in tandem, we have to think about how we're responding to climate change and then and then going after the sources of climate change. So effects of climate change, we're going to have to be dealing with, and that's a fact. So let's go after those critical areas that we know vulnerable communities are going to need, and let's look at those areas and then and then build out from there. But- we're, we're, we're on our way. I wish we could have done this when I was in undergrad. I graduated undergraduate in 2006 from University of Vermont. And, and those seems that, that question was asked then. So, you know, reflecting back, uh, you know, 14 years later or so, those same questions are being asked. So, so we need to move with more urgency. Well, I, I started working on climate work in 1997 and mm-hmm. we, we all, I made a video once with Danny Glover about what would the world look like if you know every Chinese person had a car mm. and then it was right. five five automobiles per thousand people and now it's right I don't know several hundred like right. oh my god all that stuff that we were complaining or we were mm. warning against is happening it's happening and that's and it just makes me feel like it was a huge lost opportunity. But mm. I'm personally gratified mm. that you are doing this work. I'm that thank you. There are people committed to this that I think the next generation is going to be better than the generation before. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate what you're doing. And thanks so much for, for coming on the show. It's been thank you. Great Eric. talking to you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks again. All right. All right, Hunter Johansson with Eric Brown. And uh, yeah, I think we're all a little bit more famous now. I really do. It counts. Touched, touched by the brother of famous. You know, I haven't had this question roll through my head before in this series of interviews, but is Manhattan still the center of the universe? I felt for a moment that Manhattan was the center of the universe. I don't know why. <laughs> well, uh, as a person from Queens, Manhattan always felt like the center of the universe. And Queens <laughs> felt like some other aspect of the of the body, <laughs> the <laughs> celestial body, like a distant, you know, dead star or something like that. Like Queens is now hip, of course, as we all know. Yeah, as we all know. Once I left, it got better. So are you guys both Mets fans? Yes. So this is like a permanent bond kind of thing? Is this like a whole yeah. New York? Yeah. Okay. Hunter and um, I will always have Mets. That's right. You always have that relationship. So um, I have to say... Hearing him talk about the impact in Puerto Rico of having all of the first responder facilities go dark because of the hurricane, that was a dimension of that tragedy that had never landed for me the way it did in hearing him talk about it. And as somebody who's worked on these issues for a long, long time, uh, that he's honed into that piece of this puzzle and he's working on it. Genius. The thing I love about this particular project is that it is a solution that is measurable and achievable. Huh. You can put solar panels and make every single fire station in Puerto Rico. It, it can be it can be independent. It can be have electricity independent, energy yeah. independence. Right. For for a finite amount of money, it's not a ton oh, of money. Man. It's yep. eminently doable. Yeah. And I think this is where I don't know, this is where philanthropy and the nonprofit world can can really shine which is you see a problem, you define it, and you systematically go after it. 
just think of and you can actually quantify the lives that are saved yeah when when you can do something like this and and the the challenges are there are always cultural there are, you, particularly when you go into another community uh, there there are challenges but he's sure. he's he's addressing those by working with people in the community and he's addressing those by being a really good kind of partner on this so these are the kinds of things that you can actually go after and and achieve something the other thing is and oh yeah yeah i get onto a, a real soapbox about this one <laughs> it, is is that they're also educational if you did this in the united yeah. states if you put solar panels if you made every fire station in america energy independent yeah and then all of a sudden you're educating communities across the country every single electoral district in america would have People who are unassailable and like the firefighters, like the last gods in our society, (laughs) they are unassailable. Everybody loves them, left, right, whatever. (laughs) We all love our firefighters because we don't want our houses to burn down. But if those folks become advocates for clean energy and renewable energy and things like that, you've got some powerful constituents there. So there's a political dimension to it. It's not just about solving a very finite problem. It's about building a constituency for a better way. Well, and this is what's so great. I mean, nominally, our podcast is about communications. That's our nonprofits and foundations. So, but we are not famous. Totally not about, no. (laughs) So you got to hear this person speak. And I, I, I almost feel apologetic using the word messenger, but it sounds like there's the perfect messenger that had this notion, which is, if I get the name right, Captain Richard Burt? Yes. From oh my the, God, that guy's amazing. And so, and Hunter says he's the truth, and this is right to the heart of what you're talking about, right? Like the motivations of our first responders are clear; they're unimpeachable. Yes. So, how was it hearing? And if I, I hope I'm saying the name right, but how was it hearing listening to a, our, our dear captain? Talk oh about my this? God, the captain was great. We went to this event, and and he got I think got up on a <laughs> he got up on a chair or something like wow. that, and he just gave this stem winding speech that. That we were all enthralled, the tears and the the joy and the everything. Yeah. He just gets it, and he's deeply committed. And these are the kinds of folks that become wonderful communicators. But they also remind you that there are real people out there who go into people's burning houses. Yeah. And if they're if they're you know if their walkie-talkie doesn't work, they're going to die. Yeah, man. And and the people inside the house are going to die too. And that's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. some of these some of the Complicated problems are really complicated, and some of them are actually fixable. Yeah. Getting back to where the communications part fits in, uh. I mean, Hunter is smart enough to know that he has an entry point that maybe other people working on similar types of issues may not have, and that the fact that his sister is Scarlett Johansson opens doors. And she attended this event that I went to. She was there, and people were really excited to be there, but they were you know, okay, whatever, come for Scarlet, stay for the solar panels. <laughs> they also got it. And yeah. they were, you know, eager to become engaged. Yeah. And that's what's kind of cool. And he doesn't squander that opportunity. He takes full advantage of it, but he does it with this, you know, you hear it, you hear, you the, hear it. the passion in his yes. voice. This is not, you know, he's not messing around here. Yeah. He cares and he's doing this work and when he could be doing a lot of other stuff. Well, and, you know, as you talk through... But we get so worked up, uh, Kirk. Because it's a big deal. I do. I get very worked up. This is a big deal. I have to to take a breath now. As it turns out, the field you've chosen to work in is very important. As it turns out, this is really (laughs) important work. 
Who would have thought? <laughs> but know. um, but you know the seriousness to so this notion of how you work with um the relationships he's got and the opportunity that, that presents. You guys start getting into the mechanics of what it's like to start and run a nonprofit, and every word that he had to say there rang true for me. You know, as somebody who's been in that domain and. So what I really liked about that, though, and again, I'm like, you know, is this trainable? Is this teachable? Or is this just does this just have to be who you are? But his perspective around that, you know, and he started reflecting on his experiences. I was like, you you actually have the perspective to be reflective about mm-hmm. this experience yeah. you're in, and and so you're talking about all the issues, including, you know, the time it takes, the things you learn along the way. Um, I just really valued his perspectives, not just around solar responders, but just also as just his journey creating this new institution it was a really cool. I loved how he talked about that. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think that for any of us who are out there trying to do something new or do something different, yeah. or, you may not. I've frankly never been. I don't want to say this. I've never fully been qualified for any job that Check. I had. <laughs> Check. But I think that's good. Right. Because you want people to be able to reach up into that next level right. of things. You want right. them to work hard and to be stretching into it. If if someone's already done the job that I'm going to hire someone for, it, there has to be something really new and different about it, or else my guess is you're not going to you're not going to fully experience that in the way that you need to. And yeah. that's that's what's kind of neat about what he's doing. He's he knows he's plowing some new ground here and he's willing to learn from his mistakes and to push on. So, what do you make about the 5.5 million dollars it's going to take to just do this in Puerto Rico because um and then of course you introduced the notion there are 30,000, you know, uh, fire stations in the United across the United States, right. you know, so that that's the scale vision potentially though. Hunter also talks about doing this throughout the entire Caribbean. But that $5.5 million, I was like, man, this is a rounding error yeah. for so many institutions. Those are coins in the couch. Let alone. For a lot of folks. Let alone, and I didn't have a chance to look at it, what is the Kickstarter version of this? What is the, right. you know, what is the community you know, mobilization that could go along with this? So what do you make of the level of resource that's required to do this? And, and it's funny because I was thinking there's the financial difficulties, but then he also talked about, well, every single one of these sites is different. Sure. Every single one of these sites has its own dynamic. And then he also, towards the end, talked about the need for community partnership, which, right. again, that's a yes, thank you for saying that moment, right? Right. So what do you think about the whole set of resources that has to go into making something like this work? Yeah, well, you're right. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of money. Yeah. I think that, clearly he wants – this is a stepping stone. This will – if you can learn how to do this in Puerto Rico, then you can – obviously save a lot of lives. You can make people's lives better. You can build an infrastructure. You can begin to get people understanding about how they can be independent. The aftermath of Maria revealed all sorts of challenges yeah. between the mainland and the island. Those are those are things that have to be addressed. And these I've are- I've never heard of the Stafford Act, the Jones Act, or the fact that uh, it can only receive support from the United States that the UN can't get involved. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Though, although what you what they learn here, where they're dealing with a, a, a proximate challenge that has to be addressed first, can be I, I assume I know from what I've learned from Hunter and, and, and spending some time with him and talking to him, he's got bigger fish to fry than mm. than just Puerto Rico. Although he's is deeply committed to that island, 
the, and what we can all learn along the way, I think, is is really promising and exciting. Yeah. And I don't know how the order of our discussions are going to land. But so let me ask you this question. <laughs> when we're going to broadcast this exactly, conversation. Right. So, so let me ask you this question. Would you describe – so we've recently heard um, some of our colleagues from very large institutions describe needing to work at systems-level change. Mm-hmm. Is this systems level change, Mr. Brown? Interesting question. Tough question, right? It's a bit of a push-me-pull-you, though, isn't it? Because it's possible that sometimes when you work at whatever, I don't know what what kind of level this is called, field level, you learn about how systems work, and perhaps you can push up into those systems. But I don't don't know. Uh, uh, Sometimes you got to work for, you got to paint both sides of the room. You got to paint both sides of the fence, Tom Sawyer, Sawyer. at the same time, and then you meet in the middle. So this is where having our uh, guests talk to each other across their podcast is so interesting, because I would argue this is a coffee bean strategy. Ah. And to your point. And this is, if you remember that conversation with Brett Blackwell. That's right. Who we don't know. (laughs) No, no, I think he's going to, I don't know. If if you haven't, if we haven't broadcast, if we haven't played the Fred Blackwell story, wait for it. And if you, uh, if we have, go back and listen to Fred's coffee bean story. I would argue this is a coffee bean strategy because um, the fact that you're working with the most trusted, most necessary parts of these communities, and then using the moment, this whole conversation about resilience is so interesting because we're gonna, we have and will continue to have more catastrophic consequences from potentially what is a runaway issue. And so you're going to sit in the middle of the response to that with the very strategies that will get us out of that problem, you know, using solar and using these distributed energy resources. I think it's a coffee bean strategy. A coffee bean. So is, is, is this is a coffee bean strategy a systems level strategy? Yes, because it changes the entire pool and it will never go back ah. as a result of the coffee bean having put in it, which I would argue is a reflection of a systems level intervention. Got it. Ooh. Very elegant. That we'll see. So this man, Hunter Johansson, and then finally, you know, you you ask about are we making progress? Is this the right direction? And um, the one thought I had listening to Hunter and this, and again, he's like, we're the only people in the world working on this this way. And I was like, you know, this is this is what a market looks like. Like we have a marketplace of solutions growing up around this incredibly difficult challenge, and that notion alone. I think is worthy of us feeling some sense of hope and optimism because while we think we can see the problem, there are so many solutions unfolding that in fact, we probably can't see them all right now. And we've got the hunters of the world and many people like him, uh, telling us, showing us the way, right? Hunter is showing us the way. This is a very clear articulation of what can be done and what should be done. And as we said, the price tag doesn't seem overwhelming. Does it? No, no, that's right. No, it, it, it's cool. That's that's (laughs) why I, I'm Good com- choice. I'm coming around to this idea of doing a podcast, Kirk. See, it's a journey of discovery. Oh, calm down. <laughs> you're going to blow a gasket. Well, that was Hunter Johansson. Thank you. Thank you for, and again, such a sincere and just such a thoughtful person doing some really important work. That was really a treat. Okay, everybody, that's it for this episode. Please let us know if you have any thoughts about what you heard today or people you should have in the show, and that includes yourself. And we'd like to thank Maggie Brown, our intrepid production coordinator, Sarah Morgan, our tireless social and digital media maven, 
John Ali, the tuneful and inspiring composer of our theme music. Ben Rockwood, our brilliant partner behind the production curtain. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation and the Lumina Foundation for their incredibly generous support. We are especially excited to welcome our newest sponsor, the Heinz Endowments. And be sure to check out their podcast, We Can Be, hosted by Grant Oliphant at Heinz.org slash podcasts. Thanks so much. Thank you, thank you. And we certainly thank our guest and, of course, all of you. And thank you, Mr. Brown. <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you, Mr. Brown. <laughs> Till next time. Let's hear it. <laughs>